Hey everyone, welcome to another new episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail. I'm joined as always by my partner Brendan Rorison. And today we have a special guest for you. His name is Daryl Baxter. Daryl, what's up? Hey guys, how you doing? Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for uh, having me on. I've been a long time listener, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, great to have you on, man. And and you work on some podcasts yourself, right? Uh, there's Palkeys, uh, yeah. Outpost. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, Palkeys is like the uh, the newer one at the minute, where I'm just interviewing a different guest for their favorite game and boss stage. And I've got like a crazy personal lane to have an episode every week this year. So I'm halfway through, so it's going well at the minute. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, whereas Outpost Show is to interview guests about their iPad and how they use it. And that's in seasons. So season three, I'm planning on doing from about August time. So yeah, it's been a good time so far. So I'm keeping myself busy. You should have Brendan on to talk about uh, shocks, but I don't know if there are any boss battles in that one. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> now, that's a weird one with uh, racing games, isn't it, with boss stages? Because I think the only one that kind of I was reminded of was Ridge Racer and the Devil Car. That's really the only yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah, and to me anyway, those races are never much fun. It's just, it's like the deck stacked <laughs> against you. Although I guess, you know, that's the way it is yeah. with all boss battles, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, I mean, there are those boss stages in that certain um, Crash Team Racing as well. That's the rumor anyway. <laughs> yes, yes, Crash Team Racing. We, we've all been playing that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've been loving it. Yeah, it's a great game. Yeah, but it's not the game we're talking about this week. <laughs> Topical as ever. Uh, no, this week we're talking about Wipeout. And uh, we have been wanting to rank all the entries in the Wipeout series for a long time. Right, Brendan? Yeah, definitely. It's just been trying to work out how to tackle it because we both unanimously love Ridge Racer to varying degrees. We usually agree on being slightly worse than the other entries, whereas with Wipeout... Um, I've got a feeling this one's going to be a bit more heated. Yeah, so I'm looking at the rankings that we did uh, in the lead-up to this show, and we did it the same way as we did with the Ridge Racer cast, which if you listen to that one, we, we have awarded the point value you know, from highest to lowest, and, and that's how we came out with our ranking. And I think we agreed, Brendan and I, on pretty much everything except for maybe like the original Ridge Racer, whereas this mm. one is all over the map. Uh, <laughs> and I feel particularly bad for you, Daryl, because we really don't like your favorite entry, or one of your favorite entries, apparently. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I'm getting ready for this now. Yeah. <laughs> trying to put my face around. <laughs> uh, well, you should, because it's the first one we're going to talk about. Um, <laughs> sadly. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> it with me. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into it then. So uh, we're talking about eight games. We excluded, well, I guess we talked about that first. So we excluded Omega Collection for obvious reasons. And I was on the fence about whether or not we should exclude Wipeout 64, which I have mm. only played a little bit, but as far as I can tell, it's yeah. pretty much just like an N64 port of 2097. Yeah, it, it falls into that. Yeah, exactly. It falls into that weird area that... Um... Ridge Racer 64 fell into, although that had just enough content for us to discuss that in our, uh, our Ridge Racer cast. Yeah, the thing about RR64 is that it, I mean, at least it is like a completely different game that runs on a different engine and feels, was not developed yeah. by Namco, so it's very different, whereas 
64, uh, Wipeout 64 really does feel like a port from the PlayStation side of things. Like, it, it just, you know, has to compress the music and leave out parts of tracks uh, to fit on the small N64 cartridge. But otherwise, it's pretty consistent with Wipeout at the time, which is, yeah. you know, good for a port. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll start off then with the first game on our list as we as we count up to our number one entries. Unfortunately, there are a lot of ties here, but uh, yeah. this one did not tie with anything. It is ranked as our lowest, and it is Wipeout Fusion. <laughs> Should we give our, our respective scores off the bat just to show everybody how ridiculous this difference is between the three of us? It's probably, probably a good idea. So, Brendan, you and I gave this one point each, and Daryl, you gave it six. Um, yes. Out of a possible eight, and... Again, I'm really sorry. Uh, but you know what? This is... It, it does speak to how divisive this game is because it's so different than everything else in the series. Like, it, nothing... It, I have a feeling if you, if you love Fusion, then maybe you've been wanting the series to return back to that or been wishing that like the series did kind of take more of that approach whereas if you if you don't like fusion then you're kind of happy that it remains this like blip in history yeah i mean i would say that that's probably true because the thing about wipeout fusion is it seemed like they were trying to advance the series almost in a different direction than what had come previous and mm. that was always going to be controversial i think given that people the floaty racing on kind of twisty tracks whereas Fusion prioritised the combat element of the game, which wasn't necessarily a bad idea, to be honest. Yeah, so... Oh, yeah, I was just going to ask Daryl, you know, because you rate this one pretty highly. Uh, what stands out to you about it? Why do you like it? I think it's one of those games for me, which is like a guilty pleasure, to be honest. You will, kind of, I think, have a game where it isn't really highly regarded, but will kind of like it because... It almost has that, it's that sort of nostalgic feeling, really, to be honest, that's kind of front and centre. And I think with Fusion, I mean, I remember when I first rented it, like back in the day when renting was a thing with games. And I remember just kind of playing a lot of the uh, the zone mode, where it just gets faster and faster and faster. And that was really fun and really great. And I think as well, because it was in 2002, so it's pretty early in the PlayStation 2's life cycle. I mean, you had kind of like the super graphics and... It was just kind of a game that, even then, kind of still set apart from everything else. Because I think it, that was around the same time that Burnout 1 came out as well. So, you know, it was nice just to have a kind of breath of fresh air on the PlayStation 2 to have Wipeout back on again. But, you know, I mean, there are these kind of backstories with the game where there are a lot of internal conflicts, which kind of, you know, do make it into the game. Because there are some tracks where they're a bit, you know, either confused or dull. Or you'll have like kind of the same kind of grey colour scheme for some reason in many kind of tracks or shit. But I think it really is the fact as well that not just the zone mode, but the fact that the performance on it is really good as well. I don't think it's 60 frames, I could be wrong on that, but it just feels like really smooth and really just, just fun to play really. And I think that's why really guys, I think it's just, uh, I might be just be looking at it with tinted glasses. So um, that's my case and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> That that is all. It's all fair arguments because it's the worst in the series for me personally. Because I feel as if it kind of lost its way a bit in terms of the the series's philosophy. But at mm. the same time, you can't really blame the developers for trying to change something. Because if you've played through like Wipeout 2097 or XL, 
um, and wipe out three. You're just kind of looking at it and saying, where, where would they go next? And maybe the idea was they, they looked at something like Extreme G Racing, and it was like, what, what can we bring from that? Because that was also another kind of futuristic racing series that prioritised the combat element of the game and branching tracks. And I feel as if Wipeout up until this point had always treaded carefully between looking too flashy, uh, like track design wise, and how they actually played. Whereas I feel as if Fusion maybe kind of lost that along the way, and that's one of the main issues for me. I don't know if, if you feel that as well, Adam. Yeah, I think uh, name dropping Extreme G is very astute because this game does mm. give me a lot of Extreme G vibes, just in its sort of vision of the future and its idea of the future, which feels very different from the previous Wipeout games. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I will say that, like, my memories diminish it, I think, sort of unfairly more than when I actually go back and play the game as I did yesterday to, to try and and refresh my, my memory. Like, I, I was like, aspects of this are very different. To me, it doesn't feel like Wipeout, and I think that's where I get hung up on it. But that's not to say it's a bad game, and there are certain aspects that I think if if you didn't like how unforgiving Wipeout was in the past, because the first three games can be very unforgiving. Uh, with, with 2097 and 3, they pretty much throw you into a, a pretty easy first championship, but then the difficulty ramps up incredibly quickly in those two games. Whereas mm-hmm. with Fusion, I feel like the tracks are roomier, the handling's a little bit more forgiving, uh, contact with ships does not slow you down nearly as much. Contact with the walls doesn't slow you down nearly as much. It seems to me like the sort of like futuristic AG racer for someone who just doesn't want to spend as much time trying to figure out Wipeout's handling and Wipeout's physics because they are pretty, you know, very much on, uh, of their own. There's there's no other game, whether you look at F-Zero or Extreme Zero or anything else, that handles like Wipeout does. Uh, at mm. least in like it's you know classic sort of what you expect when you go back and play 2097 or or even you know the more the more recent games. So Fusion to me was almost like kind of a a way for uh, Studio Liverpool and Sony to sort of open up the series and make it appeal to more people. Especially when you look at the things they added in, like the ability to to tweak your ships and. Um, you know, upgrade them, which uh, I'm kind of surprised they never went back to again, uh, because you would think it would be a pretty, uh, a pretty logical progression for the series as they flesh out the world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, the idea is to build the game up to a more futuristic setting and also incorporate that into the the lore of Wipeout, and it's something that you kind of you get the the grasp of from the first few entries in the series. And later on, they also kind of look at it as well. So it was good to see Fusion kind of go down that route, to be honest, and introduce it to the series. Because if you're a massive fan about the teams behind it, and maybe this game more than any of them kind of started to introduce the rivalries almost, you could you could see what teams would be considered rivals in real life, such as like McLaren and sorry Mercedes and Ferrari and Formula One, for example. Yeah, at the time it was McLaren and Ferrari, but but not anymore. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a good point, actually. <laughs> yeah, and and also Daryl, you point out that zone mode was introduced here, which I think is something a lot of people forget because like yeah. Wipeout Pure was the first one I played, and right. zone mode was talked about heavily. I think in anticipation of that game's release, more because of, I mean, the concept 
itself of zone mode of just going faster and faster and trying to stay alive is interesting but what they did visually with it in pure defined zone mode going forward with how you know everything would just be pretty much like the whole world the track the environment your craft would all be one color and then it would change colors as you moved up and and it was very flashy zone mode in this game in its original incarnation is not as flashy but but the pieces mm. are still there yeah yeah that's it i mean i think if like you just you, you ask someone about wipeout fusion i think one of the first things i'll mention is zone mode like straight away because that is a fun mode i mean it's and it's the one that kind of people always go back to and like you said with pure i mean they just kind of you know really kind of raised the bar with that mode it made it just aesthetically like just amazing so I mean, that, that is the thing with, with Fusion. I mean, it doesn't look the greatest. And I think, again, like because of the year it was released, a lot of developers out there were still kind of getting to grips with like how the PlayStation 2 could be programmed and could be designed for and how could they cater it to, to an audience out there. Because, you know, people really weren't sure like what they were what they were buying, really, in racing games. I mean, it was way before Burnout 3 came onto the scene and kind of blew a lot of things open. So I think with Fusion... And it's like you uh, said, Brendan, I mean, you definitely got a feeling that there was a bit of a conflict with the teams at Studio Liverpool. And I think that's why you didn't really see another Wipeout game for a few years after that. Yeah, looking into the history of Fusion a little bit, um, it's funny because as I as I was doing research for this episode, I found that the earlier Wipeout entries, there's way more information about them than even like Pulse like going around. Mm. Like for whatever reason, like when the series started, that every everyone's willing to talk about the first game and how influential it was, but as years go by, I guess it didn't necessarily. <laughs> it was sort of like diminishing returns. But um, yeah, I always thought it was very interesting because, I mean, and Grant, I was very young at the time uh, here in the US, but like, uh, and I'm not sure if, if you two know this, but Sony did not publish this game in the US, which is astounding to me. Like, it was published by BAM Entertainment, which, as far as I know, only ever published like Powerpuff Girls High end, like, <laughs> and and properties that no one was really interested in like they were in the big publisher and i don't know if it was just that sony didn't care enough i mean wipeout has always been a distinctly european thing and a distinctly uk thing at that i think it's safe to say and i think sony just lost faith in it with regard to the north american market so they were just like let's just like wipe our hands of this and hand it off to somebody else but uh it seems like like quite a mark of of no confidence a vote of no confidence on sony's part to do that yeah that's what i was thinking as well as soon as you said that vote of no confidence that was the first thing that popped into my head because think of how much money was probably invested in this game like getting the designers on board and still what would be considered at the time a triple a development team as well so very very odd and i wonder if bam have any other the same level that Wipeout Fusion is in terms of popularity and prestige of the series because like you were saying Adam I've only ever seen their names on some licensed shovelware or something yeah they're not around anymore as far as I know yeah I haven't seen them either yeah and and apparently uh Daryl you touched on this the, the game did you know have kind of a rocky development uh process because some information released after pure came out there was kind of a, a post more than i found uh gamma sutra reported on from like uh whatever it was the uh the 
Leipzig game conference or whatever they had back in the early 2000s. And it was after Pure came out and they basically admitted someone from Studio Liverpool that like Pure worked, Pure was made as quickly as it was and came out as as cohesive as it did as a response to all of Fusion's uh, troubles when they were making it. Like apparently there were a lot of fights between designers and artists. Designers would you know, come up conceptually with the track, hand it over to the artist, and then the designers would decide, hold on, we need to tweak this section of the track. And it just it just delayed, their tools weren't efficient enough, and it just delayed the whole game's production, um, which is unfortunate. And I, I think being a first-party game, too, and not looking very good, it, you know, I remember the first time I saw Ridge Racer 5, which predated this game by, like, two years and was a launch title, I was, I was floored, and I didn't, you know, this game is coming out now, I think, Fusion after Gran Turismo 3, uh, some other titles, and it, it didn't have the first party shine that you would have expected from a Wipeout title. Yeah, exactly. Compared to the other series, and this this isn't a, a pop at um, good technology over the Designer's Republic, but yes, Designer's yes. Republic just understood Wipeout. Like, they understood what it was about. And this is why I think Wipeout holds such a dear place in a lot of people's hearts because the work that the Designers Republic put in is just so iconic even now. It's one of the reasons why when I play any kind of new anti-gravity racers from indie teams and that type of thing, they all feel very similar because there isn't enough attention paid to the kind of the world and the advertising and the teams. It just kind of... If it looks futuristic, it will do. That's the kind of vibe you get. Whereas Designers Republic really put their, they put their imprint on this series and like Fusion, where you've brought in another kind of equal, like a, a talented design house to try and do their bit. You you instantly notice the difference. I feel compared to the other games that came previously. I'm so glad you mentioned good technology because I really want to know how they ended up with with them and not. TDR. I don't know if maybe TDR wanted too much money or something like that, but you know, Wipeout Three was the last one that TDR contributed to. And uh, good technology. I was trying to find out more about them, and I I think they've been subsumed by some other design house uh, since then. You know, it's been twenty some odd years, and yeah, I just I just don't know that this was the right place for them. I you know I don't know anything about the company, but I just feel like. As we'll talk about, I think, a lot when we get to the games that, that started the franchise, Desire's Republic was chosen because they were working on the album art and posters and stuff for for uh, DJs and electronic groups and, and those kinds of things that the developers were interested in in, like, rave culture at the time in the UK. So, like, that's how TDR made it into Wipeout. And, you know, I'm I know we all know this, but I'm just explaining it for myself. <laughs> and uh, and so to to then decide like, all right, that was sort of like the you know the the genesis of of the aesthetic aspect of the game, of the feel of the game. To scrub that and replace it with a different company that doesn't have that sort of you know emotional connection to the series, it, mm-hmm. you may as well just have not asked anyone at all to to do it and have done it yourself because there's. There's nothing about the way... I, I think it's so good we're talking about this because this is really, I think, my biggest issue with the game is there's nothing... Wipeout is so tied to, you know, the sound and the visuals and visually there's nothing about the game that, to me, feels like uh, it has any connection to any other entry 
and it, and that really creates that sort of generic feeling that I get. And then also, apparently, and I haven't realized this, but um, AG Systems is not in this game, which I, I knew, but I didn't realize and didn't put the pieces together that the G-Tech team that replaces them, I guess is fans see it as like G-Tech replacing AG Systems and G-Tech is supposed to be like a good technology branded team essentially so oh, that's yeah. that's kind of a hmm. of a weird change that they felt was necessary for some reason yeah i mean personally you don't mess with ag systems if you're making a wipeout game that's the one of the golden rules them and pfizer for me the two of those guys need to be in every one of them <laughs> like that's the, the age-old rivalry as far as i'm concerned that might be headcanon but and I think about it in my head, like when you're racing online and stuff, Pfizer and AG Systems always seem to be the kind of the, the rivalry of Wipeout because Pirata was the speed and the other kind of companies had their own gimmick in terms of handling, but AG Systems and Pfizer always seemed pretty similar stats-wise when it comes to the ships. So that's why I always felt as if they were kind of, if they were going to be a major rivalry in the FX universe, I always felt it with those two. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And, yeah, so we've just spent, like, 20 minutes on Fusion, but I'm happy we're talking about it for as long as we have because it's a it's a type of game that yeah. I don't think we would really cover in any other context. And I, the way this is going, we're going to have to break it up into two episodes, so we'll get through half this list, and then, uh, like with Ridge Racer, we'll finish it up next time, I think. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. So we don't, so we don't keep everyone here all day. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, so so that's fusion, and then next on our list, th this is one that I think is going to kind of erupt in a little bit of a fight between me and Brendan. Um, <laughs> ah, yes. Wipeout twenty forty eight. I, for the life of me, I do not understand why people have a problem with this game. It see if, if you like the last like four, it <laughs> seems like it's completely on that track, and even add some things to make it more interesting with the different ship types. I, I really like it. It's not my favorite. I mean, I ranked it where, where did I wait, uh, rank 248? I put it fourth, so it's right in the middle for me. But um, both of you, Brendan, you, you gave it two points, and Daryl, you gave it three. So mm. I would have given it joint one if I could. <laughs> <laughs> you guys so, I mean... work together to sway the, sway the tables. <laughs> exactly. A little bit of um, scripting going on. <laughs> I guess I should explain. Yeah, where does it where does it start with you? Because that's why you've touched on it before in previous episodes, but now's your chance to really yeah. make your case. So you were saying like if you like the previous four games, you should naturally like where this game ends up. But the first the first kind of argument I would make to get on my soapbox here is that when you look at those previous four games uh, track design to start with. It's all very contained into the point, very much like real racetracks in terms of like circuit racing. So Moa Ferma, you've got your start point, your end point, and there's no diversions whatsoever there. Like there's no alternate paths or shortcuts like you would see in Mario Kart or CTR, funnily enough. It's all contained and it's nice. When you first play Wipeout 2048, you're put in this city environment with like four different branching paths, which don't make a difference in terms of how fast you're actually going around the track. Um, 
and I'm not counting the Omega collection here because I think that'd be cheating slightly to base it on that, but you're trying to play this city environment on a PS Vita screen. So much going on because Sony obviously said to Studio Liverpool, please make this look as nice as possible so we've got some nice advertising promos. And as a result, it just feels like a, a big mush of urban mess for a lot of the game. And that's where my problem lies. See, when I was driving on, uh, sorry, piloting on the Soul track in the game, that's the only time I can say that I could have a clue what was going on at a higher speed. Because there's just too much going on and that's where it falls down compared to the other games for me. It just feels like a mess of the senses. And to make matters worse, they dumbed down the barrel roll mechanic so that the mechanics they'd built up over four games was trashed in favour of a, a more cart-like setup where it's very easy to play compared to the other four. And I'm not uh, that isn't like an elitist standpoint. <laughs> it's rather just that the, the depth that was there was now gone for me because the depth lay in hitting every boost pad, which is probably, if anybody's followed Modern Sonic, for example, in recent years, the most boring game mechanic in recent times. Boost-based gameplay just does not interest me. And I feel as if that's where Wipeout 2048 landed compared to the previous games where it was about managing your health and barrel rolls and double shifting the air brakes to kind of get the most out of each track. Whereas here, there's just too many diversion tra- diverting tracks on every map in the game. And as a result, I just I feel as if it's a bit of sensory overload, especially on a tiny handheld screen. Yeah, I... <laughs> that's, a good, that's the starting point. <laughs> well, well, I, I get. I, I just there's so many things I want to say. No, I I get the sensory overload aspect because it is a very very pretty game with a lot of detail, which normally would be awesome. But on the PS Vita screen, it it is kind of like just overwhelming because uh, it. I mean, Studio Liverpool, like this was the last game they made before they got shut down. And they only had a year to make it, and they they eat every last drop of power out of the Vita to, to put this out. Similarly, I think to to their Wipeout games on the PSP, they were just they were so good at using the limited power that those systems had to make games that that were sti- that still felt rich and and full of life. Um, and I think I think that's kind of where it starts for me with 2048 why why I actually kind of like it because um I really think that the concept of an earlier wipeout is interesting this changeover where you know we're not we're not racing on the ground it's not current day but we haven't quite reached the 2097 or you know the original wipeout level of like now everything is like starting to be in the sky and now we've terraformed places so we could create racetracks like i think there's something really really cool about setting wipeout just enough in the future to the point where those things are starting to pop up but i mean there are tracks in this game that are like you you race down the brooklyn bridge and i mean i know i live in new york and you guys don't but for me like that is really really (laughs) cool like i would have never imagined that they would do that in the wipeout game and I think the track designs actually, I, I don't really have much of an issue with it. There is some weirdness with like, I can't remember what it's called, but the one track where you're kind of racing through a park and you're on a lot of like, you're on grass for half of it. And like, that's oh, sort of, yeah, yeah that, that gets a little weird. But like, I, I think it's very interesting. And I think, I think Studio Liverpool needed to do this because uh, this is the start of what's definitely going to be a broken record thing for me as we talk about these games. But I got so tired of the pure to HD era of Wipeout, that by the time it was done, 
I just didn't care. Like, HD Fury, we'll talk about. Very good game, I love it. I think it's an apex of that style of Wipeout. But they needed to do something different, because, like, they... They were just re-releasing, like, the aesthetic was not changing. They weren't pushing themselves, I felt like, artistically. And, or even in terms of, um, the gameplay types. Because, like, like I said, I really think it's cool you have the different crafts. And, um, Brendan, you probably won't like this because it messes with the formula even more, but I thought the prototypes were really cool. Such that I wanted to talk about them each individually <laughs> as we discussed 2048. Because, sure, sure. Because they're really wild. Um... Yeah, they are. And, yeah. and I don't I, I don't object to things like that. That's the thing. I just And this is a question then to both of you guys. When you watch the, the intro for twenty forty eight, do you think mm. the style of racing that precedes what twenty forty eight focuses on is a lot cooler than what we actually got? And just as a reminder, that's like basically cars from nowadays, but they're equipped with technology to use mag strips and stuff like that so they can like, race over loops and that type of thing. So imagine twenty forty eight but you're driving like Ridge Racer type cars. I feel as if that would have been a lot cooler and I would have been a lot more open to that because it showed what would come next. Whereas 2048, even in universe, seems like the bastardized child of what FX Racing wanted to be. And that's one of the reasons that annoys me because I don't object to the idea. If they were going to go for that style, they should have went all in and really went for the birth of anti-gravity racing, which would have been on four wheels rather than what we get in 2048. I mean, so you want the roll cage sequel, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, true, exactly. That's it. You know, I'm a roll cage fan. I suppose that's where the bias comes in. Exactly. That's it. I mean, that, that would have been incredible to see those two series kind of come together almost like in Studio Liverpool's final game. Like, yeah. oh man, you, you've just set me off now. That's that's such a beautiful comparison. <laughs> so, Daryl, where do you stand on this? Because uh, we've been hogging, hogging the discussion so far. Um, well, first of all, I have to apologise because I actually got um, the ranking wrong with this one. <laughs> um, I've actually mixed up 2048 with Pure because um, I don't. This is how forgettable the game is. Um, I got the name. Oh wow! So you wrong, really, you really don't like this game? Okay, <laughs> Jesus, I'm being assaulted here. <laughs> so um, this is awkward. Um, but yeah, um, so my one would have would have been to this instead of the three because. Oh my god. I mean, it's like you said with the intro. I mean, I was just watching it just now and it's got Formula One cars and everything else. And I'm thinking, can I have that game instead, please? And not this futuristic <laughs> ripoff of Wipeout that I'm about to play, please. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it, to be honest, I mean, it's it's everything that you shouldn't do with a Wipeout game, in my opinion. It's like someone's just gone, here's the IP, we've got a handheld device coming out soon. Here's a time frame. Go make it, and it's like the most generic, boring wow. wipeout game that wow. I pretty much played. And I don't go in. <laughs> I, am I was trying to be nice to Fusion, but you know what? Retroactively, I wish I wasn't. If I knew this was this was waiting for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all here for it. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it, it helps the fact that it's on the Vita because I've got a soft spot for the Vita with like LED screen. It's got the touch screens at the back. That's lovely. But then you play this game and you think, I want to return it. So it just doesn't really work well. Oh my god. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nice of the crossplay with Wi-Fi HD, I remember. That was lovely. Yep. But still, it's 
that, to you, that was probably like, oh, thank God I could play a better game in this awful one. <laughs> they even ruined that because it ran at 30 frames per second, just to point yeah. out. <laughs> There's another negative for you about this game, Adam. 30 frames per second in a wipeout game, you know, come on. I'm pretty sure every wipeout game was 30 frames per second, except for HD. Maybe maybe Fusion was 60, I, maybe you're right about that, Daryl, but... It's not, it's not like 30 frames per second wasn't perfectly fine for Wipeout for a very long time. It, it was till they perfected it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, there's not a lot much I can say on this game. Um, it's just that I wish that I'd actually remember the name of it, really. Yeah, I think that says more than, than anything else ever could. Uh, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, well I don't go. know. <laughs> I don't know how to defend it in light of that. Um, I can I can just say that I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> well, what did you like about it though? Like, because you you have said to me before, Adam, that you did enjoy it, and this is the thing. I'm not saying it wasn't enjoyable for like some people. I can see why they would have liked it. It was just for me, like Daryl said, like it felt more. Hi, I know we're shutting you guys down, but can you please put out a wipeout game so we can show off the technical ability of the Vita? And yeah. it's like, for me personally, that that's the way it felt. Like, so, but what was it you liked about it? Was it just like it was that different time period? Is that did you just like seeing the birth of the AG racing series? Was that the idea behind it? Well, I know that you really feel like they dumbed down the physics a lot, and I, I think you're like more of a pro wipeout player than I am, so you're probably more tuned into those those changes. For me, I didn't feel that as much, but then I would also say that, like, on the Vita, if if their biggest failing is that they made the game a little bit more playable, that's fine, because the thumbsticks on that system, you're so cramped, like, you're never yeah, going to yeah. get that level of accuracy, so I'm okay with that, and it, it was playable enough for me, so if you can put yourself in the mindset that, like, okay, this game feels, to me anyway, in my opinion, a lot like HD... And then on top of that, you have a time period change, which I was really ready for. Like, then you could probably maybe understand that, like, I thought that this was a good step in the future or you know, backwards, I guess, technically speaking, but a good progression for the series. And not that I wanted them to make like a 2048 too. I, I don't think we needed more than one of these games, but like, I thought it made sense. And I, I understand how like visually it was overwhelming, but I have a lot of appreciation i think probably to a fault in my rankings of things where like hardware for me plays into it uh, a lot yeah. i think that's why i rate pure very highly as well as we'll talk about and like a lot of it has to do with the hardware and just like i mean were, were the two of you not like amazed how incredible this game looked when it came out i mean i i still think that it puts a lot of switch games to shame yeah it does and i think that's the, the skill of the developers is on show but like they put so much effort and in that into it when you put it on PS4, you see just how incredible it was in a mega collection. Like you could see what they were going for. I just felt as if on the Vita, when you paired it with going down to 30 frames, if you were so used to 60 from the, the kind of the PS3 game, felt like they'd prioritised trying to make it look as pretty as possible over playability, which was the first time Studio Liverpool had done that in quite some time. And that might not have been why they made the decision to go 30 frames, but it felt like it when you were playing it because there was a lot of um, a lot of detail building the universe, which is great. 
but I still feel as if the PSP games managed to balance it so perfectly that they got the most out of the hardware, but those games were also so well playable as well. Well, I mean, also, this is a handheld system. Like, I don't think the decision to go 30 frames... I mean, I'm sure they could have made it 60 frames if they really wanted to, but I feel like we're getting racing games today that are still 30 frames per second on modern hardware, so you figure this is a, you know, handheld system from six years ago. I'm, I'm, I feel like making it 30 frames was, like, probably the best they could have done at the time. Yeah, yeah, for, for the amount of detail they wanted to include in the, the levels and the, the ship design, for sure. Finding a middle ground might have been better for in terms of caring about the game longer term, because that's the other way I was judging 2048 in the sense that I put in hundreds and hundreds of hours of time on HD Fury, and whereas with 2048, by the time I got to the end, because let's not forget as well, the AI in this game is pretty sketchy at best. Yeah, it's pretty aggressive. And and something that we should yeah. talk about is you mentioned, like, you know, not putting that much time into this game. It It is bare bones. Like, I think the career is pretty interesting because it has all those different event types and, and the specialized crafts and the prototypes and whatnot. But um, there was no, as far as I remember, you couldn't do, like, a single race. You couldn't do, like, a uh, private yeah. match. Uh, Weird. The, the very quick development cycle of this game shows in like the modes and things that it lacked and but but to me like it's unfortunate and and studio liverpool admitted as much like they wish they had more time to work on this game and and flesh it out more because like the crossplay wasn't available when the game came out that took time um i think eventually they had private lobbies and stuff but that took time like it it didn't launch in the state they would have liked it to and that sucks but i I don't know, I guess I kind of look at like a glass half half full thing instead of a glass half empty thing. Oh, and I can understand that, especially when you look at it from a poetic stand of view, uh, point of view. Sorry, um, Studio Liverpool's final game was given as the birth of Wipeout the series in terms of how the, the year structure works between the games. So, I mean, there's got that going for it, I suppose, but it's definitely not a game that in the series I, I see myself come back to too much and the only reason I played through it again in a Mega Collection was for the Platinum. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I have to revisit Omega Collection. I did not play enough of that when it came out. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, one thing that uh, we wanted to do was read off some responses. We, we put a poll on Twitter, uh, including, I think Twitter limits you the four different options. Yeah. So we couldn't put every game up there, but uh, we got a lot of votes. The voting was really close. Strangely, like, Way closer than either of us expected. Wipeout, Wipeout three end up winning. Pulse in twenty forty eight and twenty ninety seven were on there, but the the split was like almost a quarter each, and there were like forty people who voted in this thing. Wanted to read off a comment. Andrew L. Moore, who uh, listeners will remember from the Ridge Racer episode, went to bat for twenty forty eight. He said it played the best. Which, uh, yeah, you're not gonna make friends on this episode. <laughs> interesting yeah well i mean i i don't think it plays the best but i think it plays good enough and that's uh that's where we'll i guess that's where we'll leave that yeah but we'll let him away with this one if he hadn't appeared on the podcast he'd be blocked right now <laughs> well, I, felt, I felt bad Andrew, because you'll be listening to this, I feel bad that you're not on because you're like the wipeout. You're one of the wipeout guys that like we know. So um, 
but I'm sure we'll return to Wipeout someday and we can have you on the show. Um, For sure. So the last game that we're going to talk about during this episode, uh, the number four ranking here for us is uh, the original Wipeout, which I think will be a lot more agreeable on this one. I this I only played the original Wipeout. I think it was um, pure was how I got into the series. Uh, I think I completely missed Pulse, and then and then I might have. I think after that, so like. 2007 2008 was when i played the first game so i i didn't grow up with wipeout weirdly enough like even though those games were out when i was a kid i didn't play them until i was like a teenager and uh i think i actually played i'm probably one of the only people who played like the even even compared to back then who played the saturn one first so oh, I, wow. I, I had the saturn <laughs> one and then i had the playstation one classic re-release on the psn that I was playing on my psp at the time um and so I can I can lend some discussion to the Saturn game, but you know I I think it, this game is important. Obviously, influentially speaking, it's it's so important. But can't deny that future entries would perfect a lot of the things that it, it set about doing. You know, it's just one of those cases. If anything, this game kind of set the scene for what would come next. Obviously, as the the birth of the series, but just the overall style and substance of the game was as far as I was concerned like a lot of people will still say that F-Zero is the better series which of course they're entitled to that opinion but I, I always feel as if what anti-gravity racing is for me is because of what Wipeout introduced in this game the loading screens and the cover art is just that this was at the time especially as a youngster it's like mind-blowing from an aesthetic perspective. It was like, I had no idea I wanted this, and I want more of it from here on out. Yeah. Daryl, what were uh, your experiences with the original game? How'd you get into it? Second game in the series that I played, and it was when it first came out on the Platinum re-releases back in the day, when they were like just £20. And I just yeah, got it and spent a good weekend on it. And it was just a really... just just a fun game just to come back to because I went from 2097 to, to this game and it's hard to explain to be honest because it was kind of the first series where I went from the sequel and then went to the predecessor so you kind of was like expecting things that weren't appearing until the sequel if that made sense um, but you know the music was fantastic I mean just the tracks itself were just really great. Everyone was varied and just had its own little style to it. Fantastic. And, you know, it was just one that I just thought was really great. Now, the thing is, I mean, I like ranked as, as five, you know, so which is pretty good. But I think the one that kind of that I'm not really fond of is I think it just looks a bit, and this might sound strange to you both, but it just looks pale. The colour scheme just looks pale. There's not a lot of contrast, if that makes any sense. There's not a lot of colour to it. It just seems a bit 
very like kind of chalky, pale, like purplish colours and yellowish colours as well that kind of, you know, really kind of overtake like the style of the first Wipeout game. And, but apart from that, I mean, it's a good one. It's a good weapons on it as well, which is always a good thing with the series. But yeah, that's pretty much it, to be honest, with Wipeout 1. It's a game that you can remember, but I think we all know that there's, you know, the sequel to it is definitely more fondly remembered from my generation. Yeah, to your point about like the the colors, how they play into the design, I always felt like that was a something that marked a lot of PS1 and PS2 games. For whatever reason, those systems, I just feel like maybe the color depth or the intensity wasn't there as much. Uh, but yeah. 2097 like is more colorful, I think, and and three isn't so much. But then with three, it's like they kind of went for a more minimalist look, so that was very purposeful. Um, there was no. I don't even think there's been a game since it looks at the future through the lens that Wipeout does. It's really like it's a product of the '90s, but it and and in a way it feels dated because you know electronic music was different back then. The trends in graphic design were different back then, but even so, it's like eternally beautiful. Like the this game started out. Uh, I was reading because you know one of the lead designers was playing Super Mario Kart one night and then just decided to put on this. Uh, dance song uh, age of love which i had never heard before i listened to yesterday and i was like yeah playing super mario kart to this would seems like a bit of a trip <laughs> and and it's such a it's such a simple concept and it's something i think that would be uh not aesthetically speaking but would be revisited again in the future with games like blur of just trying to trying to make the kart racer or the weapon space racer more mature and and um and less childish Wipeout to me has always done that the best and it really is I think a very much a time extend game because it's as much about the aesthetics as much about the music as it is and we we have barely touched on the music of the series at all um but it's as much about those things as it is about the actual gameplay on the track I mean for the same reasons that we love Ridge Racer Type 4 especially I think it's fair to say we we love Wipeout and especially the first three PlayStation 1 entries. Yeah, I think that you've summed it up perfectly there, Adam, for me. Um, somebody who grew up in the UK as well, of course. This game just interested everyone I knew at the time. Like, just... I think just hit people on such a hard level, especially um, in the west of Scotland, just for a bit of context. We properly love shit rave music. And <laughs> Wipeout really hit home on that, but obviously. Wait a second, Rotterdam, Rotterdam Nation is not in this game. Yeah, that, that's Gabber though. <laughs> we're going to be specific, so you said you said shit music, so I had to ask. <laughs> wow, <laughs> feel like me and my Rotterdam stands feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, like just I wouldn't have played this game if it wasn't for like my uncles and stuff buying it because obviously when you're younger, especially how young I would have been when I played the game in the the platinum collection, much like you were saying, Daryl. Um, I wouldn't have bought it just looking at it initially because it would have just looked like a racing game. But when you actually get the chance to sit down and play it, the other entries are better from a gameplay perspective. I still feel as if you always remember your first few laps on a game that means so much to you, and that's the way it felt for Wipeout. Just the first time I did have a feeling like, oh, I had no idea this is what I wanted from a racing game, but it's here. It just captured the kind of culture and 
atmosphere that other racers couldn't do, even with such low polygons, and this style that would follow through in the PS1 era is still popular now, and there are PC games that are dedicated to that style, I believe the most popular one's Ballistic NG, I think it's called, and the idea behind that game is to capture what made Wipeout uh, 1, 2097 and 3 so special, but give it a modern twist with track design and gameplay elements, and I really think that these are because, although the whole series is good, without these first three games, it be such a phenomenon, in, the, in Europe at least, and the original Wipeout started that. The reason I rated it so low on my list was because I, I wouldn't see no reason to go back to it now, especially with 2097 and 3 out, but it seemed at the time that it was such a risk to make a game like this, and I'm really glad Tynosis at the time. Atmosphere, and even if you look at the promotional materials for the game, maybe we'll share some of that in the Twitter feed this week, they really did hammer that idea that this game was dangerous and edgy yeah. and cool. There's that There's that infamous ad with the, the girl and the, and the boy playing the game, and uh, the girl's bleeding from her nose, and... <laughs> Uh, and then there's there's all the uh, you know the infamous tales about how the EM wipeout means ecstasy. I have to imagine it must have been like I mean not like a real moral panic, but it must have kind of felt like that a little bit in the UK. Yeah, definitely. Um, th- there's just there was nothing like it at the time. I still don't think there is. They they just really hammered home, and I can't remember if it was this game specifically, but one of the PlayStation One games had a, a pretty large tie-in with Red Bull Energy Drink as well. So they were able to bounce the off sequel. of that. Yeah, 2097 yeah, the sequel, has yeah. Red Bull all over it, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just perfect because it can mean, to, from the kind of from Sony, the, the publisher's point of view, oh, we get it, high energy racing, that, that that works. But to the people who know what Red Bull meant to that UK rave scene, like that drink was commonly paired with drugs and stuff. Yeah. It just, yeah. like, completed the circle of that atmosphere and... It's crazy when you think about how how hard they went and tried to capture that atmosphere within the game and why like what made them go down that route with anti gravity racing because if you look at like F Zero, that's very much like kind of standard futuristic affair as far as the atmosphere goes. Whereas in Wipeout, it was just such a unique idea and it paired perfectly with the type of combat racing. Yeah, I I think it just all goes back to what Sony was trying to do from the beginning with the PlayStation, which is make a more mature games console that was going to get teenagers and young adults. I think that was, and and Wipeout was part part and parcel with that vision, and it was incredibly savvy uh, for a development team behind this game for Pygnosis to to look at that and see like, okay, here's what this means to us, you know people in the UK invest in the rave scene, all of that. Here's how we can work to Sony's goals and also make something we'd be proud of. And, um, you know, the, the Red Bull thing is so funny. I love that you bring that up because in 2097, it's in every load screen. And it just says Red Bull impro- <laughs> improves response times, and, you know, which is uh, it's uh, especially ironic given the way that people were using it when they were actually at the club. But um, uh, yeah, and I, I love the, the whole irony of like the the Desires Republic shilling or Sony and the Desires Republic shilling Red Bull when the Desires Republic, if you ever look at any of the other stuff that they that they make, it's always very very uh, anti-capitalist and very um very ironic and just like 
kind of taking a, a negative look at corporations and marketing <laughs> and and yet they kind of twist it around it's like i don't know where you actually stand on this but um but nevertheless i mean the design work is is amazing and it's it's that perfect blend of just like it's it's beautiful it's futuristic and it's a little bit cheeky as well i think i want to say that i think if anyone started playing the wipeout series on the sega saturn they would have been very disappointed and I think it's great that Wipeout's remembered to be the launch title, a launch title for the PlayStation 1, because you look at the Saturn version, and it's so slow. It looks so slow. And the UI's got this strange red font as well, which just covers the screen. And I think it's great that you've got the superior version on the PlayStation. And again, like to have it as a launch title, I mean, what a way to start a console with Wipeout. And the music as well is fantastic. What's the interesting thing is that so at this time, uh, and I wasn't too sure about this before we, uh, you know, started looking into it, but Pignosis was owned by Sony, but Sony didn't, I guess, have any issue with Wipeout being ported to the Saturn. They didn't apparently work on the port. It was entirely perfect entertainment, uh, which worked on a lot of Saturn ports. They did. I mean, they did the 2097 on Saturn as well. I think they worked maybe on like Manx TT Superbike. Um, a couple other games so I guess they knew the Saturn well and Sony didn't want you know they didn't want their development team wasting time on on the competitor's hardware and these uh, Wipeout games that came out on the Saturn came out a year after they did on the PlayStation on the Saturn so they were definitely like oh you can have it but we're not going to make it easy for you and obviously like the Saturn development environment was awful in every single regard uh, I, I found the quote here Eurogamer did um, kind of a look back on Suya Liverpool when they shut down a few years ago it's a really good article you should go check it out uh, but uh, Dominic Mallinson who who worked on the original Wipeout uh, said that there were a lot of politics surrounding the whole making a game <coughs> for the Saturn thing that his team did not get involved with and they really had no part with it um, but they, they, they had no part in the creation of it I, I think that's probably why a lot of the weird quirks that you were talking about there, all the different fonts and things like that, uh, are there, is because it didn't have that same touch that you would expect from the original creator. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree there, absolutely. Yeah, and it, it does play like a slower frame rate too. I think, I think uh, the first Wipeout, it's like it's definitely slower than the PlayStation one, but it's not that much of a difference whereas 2097 if you see the Saturn and and ps1 version side by side it's like it feels like it's 10 frames a second and like 2097 mm -hmm. didn't even come out on the Saturn in the US uh I mean here the game was named wipeout XL but uh yeah it didn't it didn't make it to our shores on the Saturn because I think by by mid 97 or 98 or whenever that was Saturn was dead in the water in most of the world <laughs> yeah it was sadly Sadly. <laughs> yeah, uh there was you know, I had something else on my mind that I want to talk about in relation to this game, but I forgot. Oh, that's right. Um you you guys have seen the uh somebody put like the tracks from Wipeout onto like a website where you could like yeah, go through yeah. the environment, yeah. like a free camera. It's love so it. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And I've got it on my iPad now and you can just do a fly through camera, you can freeform the camera, you can play the music, load all the tracks. And it's just amazing just to have it as like a screensaver almost as you're doing some work on something else. 
it's amazing. It's it's so good. It's yeah. I just love it. Absolutely love it. I really want the wipeout three track to appear on this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, as well, like sorry, I was just gonna say the wipeout community might not be the largest, but it's certainly one of the most dedicated. Because I even remember yeah. when we get to HD Fury, we'll talk about it of course, but I, I remember playing online for like years and it would be the same group of people that you ended up building a rapport with the, the best players because they were always playing and that doesn't happen very often anymore usually if a game's not very popular it dies off the, ha- the, the hassle of making this website and like the, the amount of detail is incredible like to do that just as what I'm guessing as a hobby project highlights that Wipeout has something in its DNA that is missing from other anti- anti-gravity racers yeah, it means so much to a, a very specific group of people, and I, as an outsider, you know, I, I really, like, as an outsider in terms of, like, not being, not living in the UK, not being in that, in the whole culture this game was born out of, I really wish it kind of, uh, people in other parts of the world and in the US will relate to it more, because, I don't know, I'm fascinated by it, I think it's one of the most, like, beautiful just concepts for a game and but it is like this distinctly british thing it's just really i don't know like i i saw an ad once that was i guess released a long time uh along when like the playstation one came out uh in japan you can find it on youtube and it's like there's this uh japanese guy doing the voiceover and he literally says like wipe out from the uk like <laughs> I, I, I guess that was required for Japanese people to understand why this game was the way it was, but like, it, it's a shame because it. I'm sure Sony Europe is like, they understand that in their market, in their domain, Wipeout would be this sort of like investment that, that they should definitely keep making, and, and somebody, even if it's not Studio Liverpool, should be on that project right now for the PS5 or should have come out with, you know, a real entry on the PS4 that wasn't just a collection. But I I feel like they just meet resistance from other parts of the company that just like don't it's just not as successful in other regions. I think that's highlighted by the fact that the PlayStation Classic did not include a wipeout game on it. Oh, I mean, don't get me started. That is obscene. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And it's funny too, because um We'll talk about Wipeout 3 uh, much later on. It was ranked highly. They, you know, there was a special edition of that game that I, I didn't even really know about until very recently that had tons of extra content. Like, it's almost like a whole extra game uh, because of all the stuff they packed into Wipeout 3 Special Edition. And it only came out in Europe. So, That's mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, I, I think that that pretty much puts a cap on on at least my feelings about the original Wipeout. Unless you guys have anything to add, you know, it's it's one of those situations where you can't deny the influence it had where it started. But at the same time, the reality is that 2097 fixed a lot of the the issues that people might have had with this game. And uh, yeah, and then history's history. Yeah, I think that sums it up nicely. Um... The reason we've talked most about the game's influence rather than its actual content does kind of indicate that as well. Yeah, it's it's hard to go back to because like the you know, collisions and like the the whole adding you know that 
element of gameplay in 2097 where you can brush up against walls and not come to a stop was so clever and such a innovative factor in the game's design that like yeah. once you take that out it, it just makes going back it's i don't know if uh if you guys were into tony hawk back in the day but it's like how um manuals like completely changed like they introduced the manual trick in tony hawk 2 and they completely changed the way you play the game such that if you go back to the original it just it sucks because it's like one of the one of like the the fundamental aspects of the way you enjoy it and the way you know to be good at it is gone yeah definitely there's there's a lot of examples about that and i think um especially in racing games that, that, that can be the common part that makes people enjoy a certain series more than others like kart racers to bring it back to that a lot of people playing crash team racing at first will, will find the drifting mechanic incredibly difficult purely because mario kart has such an automated drift system whereas in it's the total opposite like unless you learn how to do that effectively you're going to feel incredibly slow whereas in mario kart very easy to pick up and it doesn't necessarily make it worse because i personally still think mario kart 8 better um it's just that similar to what you're saying with Tony Hawk and Wipeout, once you get used to a certain way of playing a game, it can really ruin preceding games or entirely different series in the same kind of subgenre. Yeah. So it it is funny too because like with the Ridge Racer uh, episodes, we, we spent the first half like pretty much I feel like we were pretty negative like because there are a lot of bad Ridge Racers but there aren't I mean, you guys might say 2048, but I don't think there's, like, a purely terrible <laughs> entry in the Wipeout series. You know, it's it's pretty much, it's arguably decent to perfect. You know, it, it's not, there's not a truly offensive game, in, at least in my opinion. Uh, so as we go further, obviously, we're going to be a lot more glowing with our endorsements. I take 2048 over pretty much every other anti-gravity series so that kind of sums it up really i take 2048 over every f-zero that isn't gx yeah exactly sorry i forgot about gx there how the hell did i forget about gx Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um 2048 is just like about i'm being harsh because we're judging it against other wipeouts but if we remove that context for me, it's still better than your Redouts and um, Fast Racing Neos and games like that. But, I mean, it, it might not be my favourite Wipeout, but that's not to say it's a good game. And um, even Fusion as well. Like I still enjoyed it. Pairing it against other Wipeout games specifically, it's naturally going to have that negative connotation compared to the ones we prefer. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that just about settles it. So, yeah, the the next time uh, we put out an episode, we'll talk about the other half of this list. Daryl, if you can join us for it. I'm sorry we, you know, this one podcast appearance became two. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about more about 2048. <laughs> we're done talking about 2048. We can't, if we talk about that game anymore, then we'll never actually talk about games that we all like. Uh, That's a fair point. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, thanks uh, thanks for listening to this episode, and um, we'll be back again with more Wipeout. Uh, if you don't already see us on Twitter, uh, we're time underscore extend, and there's been a lot of discussion, and uh, Brendan, you were saying uh, post some stuff uh, surrounding Wipeout on the Twitter later on, some uh, memorabilia and, and advertising and stuff like that, which is always cool to see. So, uh, so yeah, go check that out. 
and we will see you again soon. Thanks, guys. Take care.